morning. So I am talking today on the East Chair Pathway. I'm Lana Hughes and I'm a gynecology registrar in Middlemore. Um, I was asked to present on the East Chair Pathway um, from a New Zealand perspective, which is based on the guideline that was updated in 2014, which is a national guideline published by um, the MFM network. Um, we do actually have a draft document for a minimal perspective for our hospital, which I'll highlight at the end, but most of my slides are all pertaining to that guideline I've already mentioned. So a summary of what we're going to go through today, an outline of the pathway, um, talking about the algorithms and the SJ risk assessment tool from a New Zealand context, the pathophysiology of aspirin, and at the end if we get time some exam questions from previous RANS called part one. So this slide is just showing the front page of the guideline. Guideline for the management of suspected morphogestational gestational age, singleton pregnancies and infants after 34 weeks gestation. Definitions. So SGA is defined as birth weight under the 10th birth weight centile or a fetus with estimated fetal weight on growth less than the 10th centile for gestation with growth being the customised growth chart. Um, definitions which use customised standards to define SGA are better associated with perinatal morbidity and mortality than population-based standards. Um, some other um, definitions, so fetal growth restriction which defines a fetus that has failed to reach its growth potential. This term has some overlap with SGA but is harder to define. Um, and fetal growth restriction by definition is a fetus that's crossing centiles on serial growth scans or with major discrepancies between HC and AC of 30% or more. Um, SGA pregnancies identified prior to birth with evidence of abnormal Dopplers or with an estimated fetal weight under the third centile are all considered growth restricted. Bit of background. So SGA infants account for 40% of uh, non-anomalous stillbirths after 34 weeks. Improved detection and management of timely delivery reduces morbidity and mortality. Utilisation of a grow chart can increase antenatal detection of SGA pregnancies. And routine growth scans in low-risk women don't improve outcomes. Um, women in whom it's not possible to reliably measure a fundal height, such as a BMI greater than 35, or um, a history of uterine fibroids, should be referred for a growth scan, preferably at 28 weeks. And women with risk factors for SGA are recommended to have fetal growth assessment by ultrasound. Delivery of a suspected SGA fetus um, is often at approximately 38 weeks, um, which has been shown to reduce prenatal morbidity compared with earlier or later delivery. Um, it was shown to be cost effective and not associated with increased cesarean section rate, and that was based on the Digitat study. Alright, etiology of SGA. So I find it helps to group causes of SGA into four. So I've grouped them into maternal causes, placental causes, fetal causes, and then genetic causes. So maternal causes, there's a truckload of them, but extremes of maternal age, so less than 16, greater than 35, high altitude, because it's um, theorized to be related to hypoxia, low socioeconomic status, ethnicity, substance misuse, particular maternal medications, such as warfarin or steroids, or anticonvulsants, um, BMI also extreme, so less than 20 or greater than 40, um, although in this guideline it's greater than 35, uh, parity, so either prima gravitas or uh, grand multiparity, 
Um, shortened her pregnancy interval of less than six months, um, having had a previous baby with SGA, artificial reproductive technology, poor weight gain, asthma or cyanotic cardiac heart disease, um, and acquired thrombophilias. Maternal medical disorders, of which there are many, PET, GDM, and maternal infections, such as torch, um, UTI, malaria, etc. Placental causes, so placental weight, less than 350 grams, abnormal uteroplacental vasculature, um, placental dysfunction such as preeclampsia, thrombophilia-related uteroplacental pathology, confined placental mosaicism, avascular villi, decidual or spiral artery arteritis, multiple infections, partial molar pregnancy, syncytial knots, chronic inflammatory lesions, single umbilical artery abruption, Valimentus cord, placental hemangioma, placental infection such as Zika or malaria, um, infection velitis, multiple gestation or chronic velitis of unknown etiology. So is it syncytial knots, is that um, kind of just... I think it's as it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thing yeah, I wouldn't know the pathophysiology behind yeah. it, but um, yeah, it's been shown to be in um this is based on a review by Sharma, IUGR, antenatal and postnatal aspects from 2016. Fetal causes so constitutionally small chromosome anomalies such as trisomies, genetic syndrome such as Fakoni syndrome, major congenital anomalies, heart, emphalocele, gastroschisis, neurotube defects, multiple gestation, congenital infection, metabolic disorders such as PKU, and then genetic causes such as Placental genes um, under expression of placental growth factor, maternal genes such as thrombophilia genes, or factor 2A mutation, and then fetal genes such as a deletion of insulin like growth factor 1. Cool. So, risk assessment for an SGA fetus if you have found the AC to be equal to or less than the 15th hole, estimated fetal weight um, less than the 10th percentile by definition that baby's SGA. Um, all women with suspected SGA should have an umbilical artery um, positively indexed Doppler performed. And if this is abnormal, they should have same-day referral um, for obstetric review. If they have absent or reverse endosolic flow, then admission is recommended um, and prompt delivery as well. Um, if UAPI is normal, then special referral is recommended within approximately a week. And we now have the MAC clinic at Middlemore, which is um, where you can refer them to. Obviously, if it's abnormal reverse endosolic flow, then you should discuss with the um, SMO on call. Who should be considered for growth scans? So um, everyone who's booked should have a, um, a history taken to identify risk for SGA. So major risk factors as defined by ARCOG are history of previous SGA, which includes your risk three times, or history of stillbirth, um, maternal age greater than 40, maternal or paternal history of SGA, smoking more than 10 cigarettes per day, but interestingly, if smoke-free by 15 weeks, there's no increased risk compared with non-smokers. So that's a really important uh, piece of information to give women if you're booking them in a timely fashion to try and um, reduce their risk and, um, yeah, give them some support and um, a really good reason to quit early. Uh, cocaine use, maternal disease such as hypertension, renal disease, diabetes or vasculopathy, 
or antiphospholipid syndrome and also low pap a under 0.2 mums on the first trimester annuality screening okay um so the reason that we consider growth scans are because um well Rather, I should say, there are lots of reasons for considering growth scan due to complications in early pregnancy. So they would include heavy early pregnancy bleeding, fetal echogenic bowel, preeclampsia, gestational hypertension, unexplained APH or abruption, low gestational weight gain or multiple pregnancy. Um, interestingly though, there's no current evidence that routine growth scans over 24 weeks increases detection of SGA or improves prenatal outcomes in populations at low risk of SGA. So we really should be doing targeting screening, not just screening the whole population. All right, um, optimal screening interval should be at least two weeks as this reduces the false positive rate and even then the margin for error is usually about 10 to 15%. Okay, woman at high risk of SGA should be seen by an obstetrician, um, preferably uh, less than 16 weeks gestation and 100 milligrams of aspirin not day commenced. Um, the PMMRC recommends plotting um, symphysia fund on the growth chart to improve detection of SGA. Actions of aspirin, so <coughs> there are many. <laughs> so primarily it acts by inhibiting thromboxane A2 um, by platelets and um, thromboxane A2 has many um, actions but it favours vasoconstriction, vascular remodelling and increased platelet aggregation. Um, thromboxane A2 is produced by platelets and also by the placenta. Aspirin also increases postacyclin to thromboxane A2 ratio and reduces platelet aggregation. It reduces production of thrombin which modifies hemostasis. It increases fibrinolysis. Um, in hypoxic conditions, it inhibits expression of um, S-flit-1 in trophoblasts, and it has a chronobiological effect. That's why we recommend giving it at night. It's also a dose-dependent relationship, so the recommended dosing is 75 to 150 milligrams orally um, at night. In New Zealand, we generally recommend 100 milligrams. There's no evidence of teratogenic effect at low doses, but it does cross the placenta and can inhibit fetal platelet aggregation, although at low doses is equal to less than 150 milligrams, it has a really good safety profile. Side effects include yeah, upset and theoretical risk of bleeding, but there's no increased risk of bleeding or abruption in large studies, um, and it has no effect on trophoblast invasion. Okay. Interpreting growth scans. So the abdominal circumference is usually the first fetal measurement to become reduced in SGA. And suboptimal fetal growth is suspected when the AC on a population ASIM chart is equal to or less than the fifth centile, um, or if the AC is greater than the fifth centile but crossing centiles by more than 30%, or if there's a discrepancy between the head circumference and abdominal circumference of greater than 30%, or there's a new change in the abdominal circumference of less than 5 millimeters over two weeks. Um, again, as previously defined, estimated fetal weight on grow of less than 10th centile, or if um, the estimated fetal weight on grow is crossing centiles with a greater than a third reduction in estimated fetal weight per centile. Okay, so very early onset SGA um, is particularly of concern, and in our unit, if it's under 
28 weeks that warrants referral to MFM. We have an OGIS um, service here, so that would warrant referral through to see them. Um, early onset SGA is often symmetrical um, and you should consider further investigation for chromosomal and structural anomalies and fetal infection in that situation. So the next slide is just figure 1A on the SGA guideline. Um, so it just shows four examples of growth rate patterns that are abnormal and would warrant um, further investigation and, and um, serial scanning and referral to obstetrics. So the first one just shows a baby that on growth estimated fetal weight is well below the 10th percentile. Um, and the second one shows a static um, grow um, on growth chart over two weeks. Um, example C also shows um, slight growth um, um, deceleration, um, although growing but more than a 30% drop off. And D shows a baby that was previously plotting on the 50th percentile and is now below the 10th um, with interval growth that's um, symmetrical but is still under the 10th percentile. Figure 1B um, shows a fetal weight pattern that suggests normal growth trajectory. Um, so this baby was previously under the 10th percentile warranted serial scanning which occurred and then subsequently um, growth uh, increased and on interval growth um, it was normal plotting on the 20th, 25th percentile. Um, so the take home message from this pattern is that the woman doesn't need subsequent um, growth scans and can be managed at low risk of SGA. And the last figure 2B is just showing a significant discrepancy in AC and um, HC um, of uh, 50th percentile points on the biometry chart which would also warrant serial growth scans for asymmetrical growth. So a scan at 34 weeks that showed this pattern would warrant umbilical artery doppler and follow up growth scan in two to three weeks. Um, and again, just another, um, if you refer to the guideline, it's great, they've got lots of pictures. Um, figure 2C, which also just shows a drop off in, in AC. <coughs> okay, so then we throw abnormal dopplers into the mix. So um, in the first example, if you've got um, a umbilical doppler of greater than the 90th percentile, and it's abnormal if it's greater than the 90th percentile because um, the vascular bed is a high resistance um, structure. So to increase blood flow, you need to increase um, the um, velocity and you do that by um, constricting the blood vessels. So in this situation, if you've got um, abnormal dopplers, but there's still forward flow, then the general consensus is you, you should deliver by 38 weeks. Um, but two thirds of each infants will have a normal umbilical PI. Um, and three quarters of these cases will still have histological evidence of abnormal uteroplacental perfusion. Um, so I guess in summary, the subgroup of SGA with normal Dopplers um, 
is they will have increased risk of morbidity mortality compared to um, normal gestational age um, subgroups, but less than SGA with abnormal Dopplers. And if you've got SGA with normal Dopplers, the general consensus is to deliver by 40 weeks. Okay, what about MCA or CPR? So the guideline which pertains to um, pregnancies after 34 weeks, um, an abnormal MCA or CPR, which is the ratio of um, MCA and umbilical, um, indicates um, an element of acidosis or brain sparing. Um, and because the, because the MCA is a low resistance vascular bed, um, the vessels need to vasodilate to increase blood flow. So that's why abnormals under the fifth percentile. Um, so abnormal. So the CPR is a way of being able to detect it. Yeah, more subtle. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it might be the earliest sign of of SGA. Um, extreme SGA with an estimated fetal wave under the third centile. Um, and those babies also fetal growth restriction should also be delivered by 38 weeks, um, regardless of Dopplers. Does the guideline um, give advice on how to induce? Um, so my rule of thumb mm. is if the SGA but the Dopplers are normal, I'm pretty comfortable going prostate, yeah. um, even though the prostate can't be retracted. Yeah. Um, I'll come to that. Okay. But interestingly, in the general guideline, the wording is to consider um, a Easy. balloon. However, in the minimal guideline, it's suggested that it's a balloon if the drop is abnormal. Lana, do they ever measure emission um, in use of ECA CPR prior to 34 weeks, or it's not usually? Um, they haven't in the guideline. Um, I know that anecdotally some scanning places do, and then it becomes quite difficult to know how to interpret that. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess if you do have a normally grown baby and abnormal Dopplers earlier than that, then you'd have to extrapolate that there may be some element of shunting of blood and mm. early placental um, insufficiency, so you'd need to do serial scannings, mm. or scanning rather. Okay, so uh, women at high risk of severe early onset SGA, such as previous SGA with delivery under 34 weeks, or antiphospholipid syndrome, severe chronic hypertension, maternal renal disease, or an autoimmune condition, should also have a uterine artery doppler at 20 to 24 weeks. Um, this is an important marker because if it's abnormal, then they have a 60% risk of developing SGA or preeclampsia requiring delivery before 34 weeks. So regular scans and maternal surveillance are indicated in that situation. Um, the next slide just shows figure three on the SGA pathway, which has a beautiful algorithm, um, which just basically shows you what to do in the situation of an SGA baby with either abnormal or normal black or artery Doppler. So for argument's sake, if the Doppler is normal, it's recommended to refer to a specialist within one to two weeks and do a reflex MCA and CPR and uterine artery Doppler. If those are all abnormal, then they should have weekly clinical review and every two to three weeks a growth scan with repeat Dopplers with delivery by 40 weeks. Um, but if the growth trajectory normalises, then they could return to the low-risk care plan. If they've got at, at least one abnormal Doppler, then they're in a medium-risk category, and they should have outpatient same-day review, 
and um, their clinical record should be updated with advice about fetal movement symptoms of preeclampsia. They should have twice weekly clinical review, either with a midwife or an obstetrician, and also CTG is recommended twice weekly with once or twice weekly um, black volume uh, and Dopplers, and every two to three weeks a scan for growth. Um, they should have a plan for delivery by 38 weeks with a low threshold to deliver earlier. Um, and if the Dopplers do normalise or the estimated fetal weight increases, then they can also return to the lower risk group. So from a practical perspective, there are some scan spaces in MAC for this, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Middlemore has a, um, a referral centre called MAC, which is we have a split site um, in our hospital. So we have Middlemore Hospital, where we have our delivery unit and theatres, and then um, we have uh, Middlemore or Monaco Super Clinic, which is where we do a lot of our clinics, and that's where Mac's based. In the situation where the um, umbilical artery Doppler is abnormal, then same day referral to a specialist is warranted. And if there's reduced or absent endostolic flow, then they should be urgently admitted um, for consideration of steroids if under 34 and 6 and delivery. Delivery planning. So the fundament fundamental um, recommendation is to individualise the delivery plan. In terms of method of induction, so the guideline says that if the Doppler is abnormal or there's severe SGA under the uh, third with fetal growth restriction, then consider a balloon if not aremable. And this is to reduce the risk of hyperstimulation um, with prostaglandins. Um, if I'll give steroids if delivery is planned under 34 and 6. Admit early in labour, they should have continuous electronic fetal monitoring in labour. And if absent or reversed endostolic flow, which is approximately 1-2% to of SGA, delivery by caesarean is recommended. Figure 4 just shows a simplified algorithm for management of SGA based on the umbilical artery Doppler. So again, similar to the last uh, flowchart, um, but it just... Um, kind of emphasises that point that if the Dopplers are reversed or absent endostolic, then um, prompt referral um, acutely with admission and corticosteroids and con consideration of delivery is warranted. The main difference, so if there's absent endostolic flow, then consider delivery after 34 weeks, and if reverse, then consider delivery after 32 weeks. Obviously, my talk today is not on Dopplers, because we've had previous discussions on that. So you would, you know, um, at certain gestations, take into account other Doppler indices, um, such as the ductus venosus. Um, and I just put this slide in to emphasise that the guidelines really good. I'd have a look. They have um, Doppler reference range charts. So for patients who are in patients who have abnormal Dopplers, you can actually plot to see if the Dopplers, even if they're above the 95th percentile or fifth for the other parameters, um, if, if they're becoming more abnormal. Cool. Neonatal management. So... I'm okay for time. <laughs> so SGA babies are at increased risk of hypoglycemia, hypothermia and jaundice. They should be monitored for hypoglycemia, um, which by definition is a blood glucose less than 26 millimoles per litre, as this can cause brain injury. Um, they should have a blood glucose measure at one to two hours of age, and then pre-feeding after every meal, and um, early feeding should be encouraged.
you can stop these measurements only if they have three consecutive normal readings greater than 2.6. Um, most babies with hypoglycemia are asymptomatic, so that's why um, screening is so important. But symptoms can include lethargy, irritability, jitteriness, and hypothermia. Um, treatment of neonatal hypoglycemia can be with buccal dextrose gel, which is at a dose of 0.5 mils per kick. And this has been shown to reduce neonatal admission for hypoglycemia and also increases breastfeeding rates post-discharge from hospital. Something that I hadn't realised um, was that if you're a hypoglycemic event can cause irreversible injury as well. Yeah. So, um, I knew that it was important um, and midwives really good at testing, but um, hadn't quite realised that, that it can be that severe. Mm. So. Definitely. Um, postpartum investigation, so again, individualise. Um, for severe SGA with features of fetal growth restriction or abnormal Dopplers um, or early onset um, to consider placental histology with um, parental consent, uh, particularly if the uh, placenta is under that 350 gram um, weight um, as mentioned in previous slides. Um, can, but can consider a karyotype, um, fetal if there's extreme IOGL with a small placenta um, as you, or, or you can also do the karyotype on the placenta if you're suspicious of a confined placental mosaicism. Um, a newborn blood sample can also be taken to exclude congenital infection and additional investigations for re-metabolic endocrine or genetic causes can be done if indicated but usually they'll be led by the NICU team so I would talk with them about that. Follow-up and advice for future pregnancies. So any woman diagnosed with SGA should be counselled that they're at increased risk of future SGA. Um, modifiable risk factors should be addressed pre-pregnancy such as smoking cessation, um, obesity if that's an issue. Um, I usually also advocate for breastfeeding as it's a great way to lose weight. Um, and uh, they should be recommended to book with a midwife by 10 weeks in any subsequent pregnancies and they should start on low dose aspirin 100 milligrams knocked day by 16 weeks um, and they should have a um, reflex referral to secondary care for assessment um, in clinic. So I just also wanted to highlight the management algorithm. So this is algorithm and SGA risk assessment tool for New Zealand screening and assessment of fetal growth in singleton pregnancies. And this was adapted from the NHS England Stillbirth Care Bundle and is based on the New Zealand MFM SGA guideline. So it's really nice. Um, it lays it out in a very straightforward manner. So on the left side, you have major risk factors for SGA. Um, and, and the highlight is recommend specialist referral and consider low dose aspirin 100 milligrams knock day. And then it has um, maternal risk factors, previous pregnancy history, maternal medical history, um, current pregnancy complications, um, and it recommends um, whether specialist referral and or aspirin um, are recommended. Um, if they have one or more risk factors, then they should have serial growth scans until birth. They should have the EFW plotted on a customised chart and the individual fetal measurements should be plotted on a population chart. Um, if they're at low risk of SGA, they have no known risk factors, then they're in a low risk category. Um, so 
in that situation, um, serial scanning um, can be done if they've had previous SGA, but obviously if they have no risk factors and um, you know the symphysiofundal height measurements should be exact, i.e. they don't have increased BMI or a history of uterine fibroids, then you shouldn't be doing serial scanning, so long as the symphysiofundal height on grow, plotted on grow, is um, normal and um, growing appropriately. Cool. Scan frequency, so that's another area um, where often it can get a little bit confusing. So the suggested schedule of grow scans is a bit dependent on local resources and guidelines, so that's why the guideline has left it open to interpretation um, at your specific unit. Um, but high risk would be early onset SGA um, or if they have a medical condition, maternal medical condition, previous SGA um, under 34 weeks or still birth or low PAP A. They should have monthly growth scans from 24 weeks till birth and also consider uterine artery Doppler at 20 to 24 weeks. If they're at high risk of late onset SGA, such as previous SGA after 34 weeks, mild chronic hypertension or advanced maternal age, then they should have monthly growth scans from 28 to 30 weeks. Um, for example, you know, 30, 34 and 38 weeks. Um, and if they have moderate late risk um, of um, SGA, such as smoking more than 10 a day, or fundal height measurements are likely to be unreliable, such as BMI greater than 35 or fibroids, then generally two growth scans are recommended at 30 to 32 weeks and then again at 36 to 38. Um, but again, if at any point um, the baby meets the definition of SGA, um, then fortnightly scans are indicated until birth and more frequent if the dopplers are abnormal. Do you want to go over some old exam questions? <laughs> okay, so these are from, I think, 2008, so um, the format will be different, but um, they ask for um, causes of IUGR and um, how you would manage a pregnancy with IUGR. I'll ask the floor. <laughs> well, I guess for the causes we could do, as you suggested, and group those into maternal pre-existing conditions, pregnancy-related conditions, placental conditions, and then fetal conditions. Um, so we, for maternal, some examples would be maternal medical pre-existing conditions such as diabetes or chronic hypertension or renal disease. Um, early pregnancy-related conditions could be um, a low pap A or a history of heavy bleeding in early pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, poor maternal weight gain in pregnancy, um, some placental causes, um, a lot of them relate to infection um, or inflammation, um, a single umbilical artery, um, or a filamentous cord insertion. Cool. I was thinking in the next question, how you manage a pregnancy with IUGR. Um, because the, um, the guideline that we've got is so mad, it should be acceptable. Um, there is sometimes a bit of controversy about the GROW chart itself, because mm -hmm. it's standardised to a um, uh, population um, within New Zealand. 
and I understand in Victoria they've got a different way of um, uh, customising. Mm -hmm. But it shouldn't make a difference. The principle's the same, that you're trying to detect you know, a, a three kilo baby for a massive Tongan lady is going to be small, but for a tiny Indian lady is going to be large. Um, so um, uh, using some sort of customisers is definitely important. Mm -hmm. Um, I've done a zoned out in terms of the causes for IUGR, <laughs> um, but if you're listing for an exam, um, remember as part of exam technique, literally is just listing. Um, yeah. So don't don't spend time explaining each of the factors. Dot down as many as you can. But I think as well, like grouping it into categories yeah. is really helpful, and often it'll prompt um, memory as well uh, with regard to. Um, all of them. Yeah. Cool. cool. All right. There's the mention there of the Barker hypothesis. What is that? Yeah. So the Barker hypothesis, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> is essentially a hypothesis by uh, Dr. Barker from, I want to say, the 70s, that said that the um, intrauterine um, condition or um, stresses in utero um, will cause lifelong um, changes in terms of uh, risk profile, particularly with like cardiovascular disease, um, obesity, diabetes, all of these things. So, in a nutshell, it's that the intrauterine environment actually predicts future um, health risk for these babies. So one other um, question is, you have a primary gravida with an ultrasound for reduced fundal height showing the fetus is on the first centile at 35 weeks, what would be your differential diagnosis? So I guess it comes back to the etiology that we've yeah. already mentioned, hey? So you just um, group it into maternal, placental, fetal and genetic causes. Um, by definition, it's late onset if it's after 34 weeks. Um, although, if she's only had one gross scan, you couldn't necessarily assume that it hadn't been earlier onset. Um, so you'd be a bit suspicious it could also be early onset. Um, management. So I think in this situation, you know she's had a gross scan, but you don't know if she's had Dopplers. So you'd want to organise some urgent Dopplers, both the um, umbilical and also MCA-CPR. Um, and if those were abnormal, um, as already mentioned, you should have same-day referral if it's the umbilical um, to a specialist. Um, and if those doctors are abnormal, then we'll be looking at a delivery plan by 38 weeks. Um, and if they're normal, um, because it's on the first centile, which by definition is severe SGA, um, I would still... Um, probably planned delivery by 38 weeks, even if the doppels were normal. Let me just come back and to my slide. Right at the bottom there you've got a previously well PGs at primogravid. Yes. Yeah, has a seizure day one. Postpartum it resolves spontaneously. What would be the differential diagnosis? Eclampsia, previously yeah. undiagnosed, yeah. Um, yeah, epilepsy. Yeah. Um, Metabolic derangement. Yeah. yeah. AFE. Possibly, um, or like PE. Mm. 
Yeah, but you'd be thinking something pregnancy related as opposed mm. to just vasovagal. But I guess um, investigations. So you'd you'd do an ABC approach, right? Mm. So in this situation, you'd call for help. You'd assess assess for um, any hazards at the bedside. Um, it's resolved spontaneously, so you'd want to be reassuring the woman as you put some oxygen on, um, establish IV access, send off some bloods. Um, and I do some standard blood, so PET bloods, as well as a group and hold um, in case of anemia prompting transfusion. Um, and your blood pressure if it's high, exactly. start some magnesium sulfate if you, you got think it. it's camps, yeah. Call for help. Yeah. <laughs> Transferred to a higher yeah. unit. With one to one care. Um, and I guess also ask questions as to, you know, whether, although she was supposedly previously well, if there was any history of epilepsy um, or unexplained um, syncope. Um, I'd do an ECG as well um, and a cardiorespiratory examination just to exclude um, any obvious uh, cardiac precipitants. And if there was any concern on exam um, for, say, fluid overload, I'd also um, organise an echocardiogram. Cool. Subsequent management. So I guess it depends. Yeah, yeah. But it also depends on what the cause is. Um, so assuming it was eclampsia due to um, previously undiagnosed preeclampsia, then I'd keep them as an inpatient for blood pressure monitoring for at least 48 hours. Um, they need to be on the magnesium sulfate anyway for... You know, our guidelines usually 24 hours after the last um, seizure um, and you'd also be wanting to check that their um, reflexes had normalised before stopping um, you'd also want to check that their creatinine was normal because if they had an AKI then potentially they might need to be on a lower um, infusion rate um, and you'd be wanting to monitor their magnesium level as well um, in the medium, so short to medium term, you'll be wanting to maintain blood pressure under 14090. Um, and usually, you know, you go based on the SOMANS guidelines, but usually if they have no contraindications, our first line would be an ACE inhibitor, such as enalapril or acupril. Um, and then if they need further agents, you could consider um, a calcium channel blocker such as nifedipine or a beta blocker such as metoprolol. Um, they should have weekly PET bloods, usually at least for the first one to two weeks, and then I'd also repeat them at six weeks, just to check that they've normalised, and they should have a GP review at this stage for blood pressure as well. And then they'd be at increased risk of um, hypertension later on life, so I generally recommend that they should have a um, general wellness check every year, so for HbA1c, um, blood pressure, um, lipid profile to exclude dyslipidemia and in any future pregnancy they should be counselled at increased risk of PET and also SGA so um, they should be switched from an ACE inhibitor to something safe in pregnancy such as methyl dopa um, they should be on antenatal um, vitamins um, and should have routine antenatal counselling as well and then they should book before 10 weeks be on low dose aspirin before 16 weeks ideally starting around 12 weeks um, and they should have serial scans as we've already mentioned consider uterine artery at 20-24 weeks 
and then grow skins probably four weekly, um, assuming they're normal from 28 weeks or earlier, if there'd been any concern for um, early onset SGA with the index pregnancy. And I guess one thing that's helpful about looking for SGA is that that can help you diagnose preeclampsia before it's becoming apparent for the mm. mum. Um, so if someone's got a hypertension in, in an SGA baby, technically that's preeclampsia. Mm. You don't need to wait for a proteinuria or edema or other features. Um, yeah. That's enough to, to start managing it as preeclampsia. Yeah, good point. And also in the exam, just saying like increased frequency of antenatal monitoring with, um, you know, proteinuria, dipstick, and blood pressure would get you marks mm -hmm. potentially. So. And same with uh, during labour, remembering to say continuous CTG or continuous electrofetal monitoring. Mm. Um, it's something we do all the time. We forget to note it. Um, so getting that gets you marks. Cool. Any questions? Thanks, Lana. You were great. Would you like my slides? Okay, yep. I'll send them to you. Choice. All right, thank you.